Thanks for joining us for this podcast. We hope that it inspires you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about the life and ministry of City Lights Church and how you can connect with us at city-lights.church. Well, it's a huge honor for me to be here. And um, if you've been around church a while, you're probably like, you know, why does every guest say that? Um, but I, I, I really mean it. I, I feel massively honored and privileged to be here. Um, I uh, know these guys. They're incredible. I know this church. It's incredible. And I think one of the great privileges is that I get to sit in on board meetings and things like that. And so that means that I've actually been praying for you a long time before I actually got to see you. And now looking at your beautiful faces, I should have come a lot earlier. You guys look fantastic, particularly the middle section making some noise. All right. There's this side. We're getting there. We've gone from one to three. We'll get you there by the end of the service. Um, your church is awesome and you're making a difference. You're growing and you're thriving. And I just think the best days of this church are ahead of you. I want to honor your senior pastors, Pastor Andrew and Pastor Beck. Um, so you embarrass me, so now I'm going to embarrass you like what you sow, you reap. Um, so you probably don't hang out at a lot of pastors' gatherings which is good because that'd be just weird if you just rolled in, right? Um, but I do. I get to hang out a lot of these things. So let me tell you who you've got on the front row here. If pastors were playing sport, which clearly from my physique has been a couple of years, right? But if pastors were playing sport, you've got a couple NRL players here on the front row. And I, I was thinking about, you know, when they launched the Dolphins, how people left clubs that were really successful to go there. You know why? Because they saw a potential to build a brand new legacy, a brand new club, take home brand new trophies and leave their mark. These guys, if you were to look at their pastoring resume, have been in some of the biggest sporting clubs. They are star players and they have come here because God knows that the future of this church is magnificent. It's an expansion team. God is going to do something absolutely incredible and they are at the helm. And you know, if you're building a sports club for all the fantasy league managers out there, all the super coach guys, if you've got a couple great players to build around, anything can happen in that season. I believe anything can happen in this church. You should be excited. You should be expectant. This is part of God's expansion team up here on the other side of the river. So can we give your pastors a hand? And before I pray, if you're like, who's this dude? Um, so my name is Phil, like uh, Pastor Andrew was saying, and along with my beautiful wife, Krista, uh, we escaped Victoria uh, a few years ago. Um, we were just looking at photos of palm trees and we were like, God, where are you calling us? And then we saw coconuts. And so we thought, that's Queensland. And then we ended up in Goodnow and we were confused. Uh, now we just see stolen VCRs. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I can say that I'm from Goodnow. Careful. If you say that back to me, I'll roll you. Um, but I'll triple tie at the mission, so it's fine. Um, now, we came up here a few years ago. We absolutely love it here. I consider it um, just one of the best places on planet Earth. Um, every time I go back to Victoria, I pray for that state and then get back on a plane and get back as quick as possible. Uh, we have two beautiful boys, uh, Ezekiel and Isaiah. They're seven and nine, so that we came a few years ago. They're a bit younger, which is why I understand what it's like as a young parent. My wife is with our boys back out in Goodna, making sure church is running well, so she sends her love. Um, they, are, they have an illegal amount of energy. I'm not sure what they drink when I'm not looking, but I would like to buy it. Uh, they wake up. I don't know why. Since they moved to Queensland, they start waking up at 5, 5.30 in the morning. Someone told me they're becoming Queenslanders. I'm like, well, we need a little bit more Victorian in them because uh, if they could just roll out of bed at 6.30 and not 5, 5.30, that'd be great. My son came in at 5 past 5 this morning. 
Dad, can I turn on the iPad? No, you can go back to bed. Okay, five minutes later. Hey, Dad, can I um, play with the Switch? No, mate. And then well, 10 minutes later, I've, I've been awake. So I, I feel refreshed. I'm ready to go. I've been praying for hours while you were sleeping. Uh, and I'm excited for God to move. Hey, um, if you want God to speak to you today, and maybe you're here and um, you're on fire for Jesus you're one of those wild, crazy people that yelled out when I said, make some noise. And you're like, oh, I know that God can move. And every time we reach out to him, he reaches back. And so you're like, man, I want God to speak to you. But maybe if you're here, you're new to church, someone's invited you. And you're like, hey, that Christian karaoke thing was okay. Um, that connect group thing, that sounded all right. I might go to that. What's the food situation like? Who's going? All those questions are rolling through your head. And then you're like, well, let's see if this guy's TED talk is any good. Um, this is the thing. God sees you. And even if you're not sure if you believe in him, he believes in you. So let me just encourage you. Why don't you reach out and say, hey, God, if you're real, you can speak to me. Might be in something I say. Might be in something Pastor Andrew says. Might be in something that comes through or the lyrics on the song or whatever. But I believe that God wants to speak to people. Can you put God on the spot like that? Of course you can. He's not intimidated by a question. The Bible says to draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. So if you want God to speak to you, can I just get you to raise your hands? I want God to speak to me too. I don't care. I got a microphone. I didn't come here to play church. I could have done that at home. I came because I wanted to hear God's voice. God, we just pray right now for every single person with a hand raised and maybe even a few that didn't that should have. God, I pray that you would grow through this place and you would speak to people, I pray, Lord God, from the front to the back, from the left to the right. Lord God, we give you the atmosphere. We surrender it over to you right now. We pray that you would have your way, that your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Ever wanted to see a miracle in your own life? Ever wanted to see a miracle? We've seen a bunch of miracles happen in our church in the last few years. We've seen some incredible healing, marriages restored, um, financial uh, miracles in people's lives. We've seen all kinds of stuff. I'll talk about that a bit later on. But I, I wasn't like hatched out of some special egg where I knew about miracles. I grew up normal just like you. I went to a school just like you. I hung out with mates just like you. And, uh, and, and so I, I, I thought, how, how do we get miracles in our life? Now, I don't know about you, but I knew people that just seemed to have all kinds of miracles just seemed to happen. They just seemed to follow those people. I thought, that's cool. I would like to be one of those people. People that are always talking about God talking to them and miracles happening and stuff. I thought, I, I would like to be one of those people. Now, if there's one thing I learned in school, if you don't know the answers, sit next to someone smart who does. That's why God called me to Goodner and not here, right? You know, I'm not the only person who thinks like that. Now, all jokes aside... What I decided to do is I decided to hang out with these people and watch and learn what is it that they're doing that I'm not doing so that I can have miracles in my life. These Some people, it's just like miracles follow them. I wanted miracles to follow me. I thought it was cool that God was moving in other people's lives, but I wanted to see it for myself. So I started following them around. And um, it's, it's like they almost... Almost spoke differently. It was almost like they spoke another language, like the language of miracles. The way they communicated to each other and to other people and to God, it was, it was, it was different. And so I'm like, interesting. And so I asked questions about how and why all of that happened. And I was expecting some wild and weird answers. I thought maybe they were going to tell me, well, I wear a blue t-shirt on a Monday and I eat three carrots on a Wednesday. And then because of that, I've gone to an all plant-based diet. And now as a result of that, I've seen many miracles break out. 
But that wasn't it at all. It actually wasn't even a weird answer. When I started asking them, what's the deal? What's the secret, right? Um, they, They read the same Bible we all do, but they've picked up something in the Bible that I had missed, even though I was already a Christian. Um, I I get it. This is where they learned to speak the language of miracles. It seems pretty obvious now, but I never got taught that. So I thought maybe I could show you today what I picked up from them. Give you a little bit of a cheat sheet. You know when you go to an exam, they let you take one piece of paper in there, like it's like your cheat sheet? I thought you can either follow people around and get arrested for stalking, or what if I give you a cheat sheet with the three things I've picked up so that you can do that? Who wants a cheat sheet? Come on, I'm from Goodna. We hand out cheat sheets. If, let's go look at the Bible first. Let's look at what they can see that we can't see. Let's pick something nice and simple, because if you get it, I think that's going to change things. Uh, if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We're going to be reading from verses 35 to 41. It's a pretty famous part of the Bible. If you've grown up around church, you've probably read it a million times before. But even if you haven't grown up around church, I've heard atheists quote it. I've heard scholars quote it. I've heard all kinds of people quote this part of the Bible. Um, If you're listening uh, to the podcast and you're driving a car, please do not look up the verse. I will read it to you. If you've got a physical Bible, it's about three quarters of the way through. If you don't have a Bible and you've got reception, you could literally just Google it. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. They've got it on the side screens as well. When you got it, say, got it. You need a minute, say, I need a minute. All right, everyone's got it. It says... As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. And they took Jesus in the boat and they started out, leaving the crowds behind, although boats followed. But soon a fierce storm, everyone say storm, came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Hello. My wife used that as a justification to spend more money at cushions on Kmart. She said, Jesus had cushions. We need cushions. Hard to argue with that. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher. Don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the waves. Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was great calm. And then he said to them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, this is a brilliant story. I've read it before. If you've been around church a while, you've probably read it before too. It's so brilliant, we actually miss what's happening in this story because we get caught up in the miracle itself and the miracle is wild. I mean, Jesus calms the wind and he calms the waves, which is absolutely incredible. So I would get why we would get lost in that, right? But so incredible is the miracle itself. We miss the fact that Jesus was actually trying to teach them something. He was teaching them how to speak the language of miracles. How do I know that? Well, one of the ways I know this, the first clue, in fact, for me, is that Jesus actually rebukes the disciples. Now, why would he rebuke them for something that was impossible for them to do? He never rebuked them for anything that was impossible. The only time in Scripture Jesus ever rebukes the disciples is when they're not doing something that he thinks they should have done because they should have figured it out by now. So here they are, they're in the boat, a storm pops up and he's looking at them saying, how many times have I talked to you about the language of miracles and you still haven't figured it out yet? I'll just do it myself. But we have a debt to these disciples when we get to heaven because of their missing out on the obvious. We now have this great story and we can follow along. Now, there's lots of things that I could talk about today. 
And I thought about going to 4 p.m. in the afternoon, but everybody knows I will be hungry for chicken between now and then. And so for the sake of the chicken, I've condensed it. I've, I've given you the, 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 the compressed shot. There's three things. Everyone say three things. Three things that these disciples had to learn. And if you learn these three things, you can speak the language of miracles and you can see miracle power in your own life. The first key is actually what Jesus rebukes them for. He doesn't say, guys, you used the wrong words. Everybody knows I only handle things in Old English. If you had have said, verily I saith unto thee, Lord of hosts, I would have responded. He doesn't say that. He does not say Guys, you didn't worship long enough. Everybody knows you need to have the Bethel playlist on for three and a half hours. You had it on for 3.2 hours, which is admirable, but it's not enough for a miracle. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say that at all. He doesn't even say the danger wasn't real. Because in fact, some translations say, and I quote, they were in real danger. So it doesn't say that. No, no, no. He rebukes them for a lack of faith, which means the first and most important thing you need to understand. Number one, everyone say number one. The language of miracles is faith. The language of miracles is faith. Plenty of Christians are speaking the right words about miracles, but they haven't learned the language of miracles, which is faith. Why? Well, faith isn't about what you say. Faith isn't about what you do. Faith is about what you believe. What do you believe about miracles? What do you believe about God? What do you believe about your situation? What do you believe about yourself? Yeah, but Phil, I did this thing and I did that thing and I did this other thing. Yeah, no, no, I get that, get that, get that, get that. But it's not about what you do. It's about what you believe that counts. You see, you can speak all of the right words about miracles, but if you have no faith, you're going to have an issue. Hebrews 11.6 doesn't say without the right words, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11.6 says, and I quote, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you've actually got to have faith. In fact, the disciples actually use the right words. Teacher, they started out with. It's a sign of honor. It's a sign of respect. It's a sign that they're actually willing to learn. They're listening. They're submitting to him. But they had no faith. And we know they had no faith because the very next words were, we're going to drown. Which means even though they addressed him with the right words, in their heart, they did not actually think that Jesus was going to come through for them, right? You can pray the right prayers. You can say the right things. You can go to the right church. Hello, this church. You can carry the right Bible. You can have the right friends. You can do the right things in your personal life. But the language of miracles is faith. And faith is about believing in the right things. If you believe it, say amen. We've seen in the last three years in our church, um, God do a number of really wild things. Just off the top of my head. Six or seven people here to cancer, I'd have to count them all up. Um, we've seen lost sons and daughters come back home, get delivered from drug addictions and all kinds of stuff, marriages restored, people that were up to their eyeballs in debt, not only clear all the debt, walk in financial freedom, but in this climate, buy their first house. Like we've, we've seen God do some wild stuff. The cancers, like, it, it, no two miracles are the same. I could preach on that. I won't. Um, uh, one guy prayed for cancer. He had it, the scans come up. Went back for the follow-up scan next week, cancer disappeared. Another guy, uh, he came forward for prayer and we prayed for him and um, we believe him for a miracle and all that. And, uh, you know, he didn't feel any different. And so he goes to the doctor and the doctor does the scans and cancer's still there. And so I said, we're just going to keep praying, we're going to keep believing. And so they go to do a little biopsy on the uh, cancer. 
And um, they send their best oncologist in Brisbane out to him. And they go to cut a little bit of the cancer out to study you know, how aggressive it is and how long he's got to live. But just from the scans, he basically updated his will. He wrapped up his job. He was ready to die within a few weeks. And um, when they did the biopsy, um, they did, actually ran the test multiple times to confirm it. The cancer, they said, in every single part of his body was there, but it was dead. And they were like, it makes no sense because your body is now the perfect climate for growing this cancer. That's why it's so aggressive. But your cancer has stopped growing. It's actually died. So they did an operation and cut the dead cancer out of his body. So do you want to know the secret source? You want to know the Big Mac source, right? This is what we do when people come forward for prayer in our church. The secret is this. I really believe that God wants to heal you, deliver you, set you free or give you breakthrough in any area that you've come forward for. I really do. I believe it. I don't have to beg God like some people do because I believe, I have faith that he already wants to do it. I have faith that he is upset that the devil has wreaked havoc on your life. And I actually don't think I need to motivate God to want to bring breakthrough. I think he's already motivated. I think he's like, how dare the devil strike this person down with cancer? How dare the devil attack their kids? I actually think God is fired up at the altar when we come forward. He's more fired up than you are. And so I don't have to beg God or convince God to do it. I have faith that he wants to heal you. I have faith that he wants to set you free. I have faith that he wants to move in your life even more than you want him to move in your life, right? I have faith that he's just waiting for somebody, anybody to come forward and say, I need a miracle. Would you just ask for it? I'll do it. And that takes all the pressure off me. I don't have to wear the right jersey. It do, I don't have to wear the Maroons jersey, which I do because I'm a man of God. Any Blues fans in the house? We'll pray for you later. Um, I don't have to wear the right jersey because it's not on me. I don't have to have special anointing oil squeezed by the olives on this particular mountain because that's actually not where the power is. That's not where the breakthrough is. I don't actually think that I got to speak to God in a British accent because my voice isn't the thing that brings the breakthrough. It's God's miracle power. I have faith for it. I believe for it. I believe that if I just dig into that well of faith and I call out to the sovereign God, which means he's in charge of the universe, the same God that saw wind and waves and said, be calm, be still, and those waves stop. I believe that when you come forward and I pray for you, that he sees your storm. He sees your sickness. He sees your financial issue. He sees your problem. And he's more stirred up than I am. And so I don't have to twist his arm. I don't have to beg him. I don't have to handshake and make deals with God. I'll be a monk. I'll shave my head. I'll move to Tibet. Just heal me. I don't think I even need to do that. I think if I just get the atmosphere of faith, I just dig the well in my heart, then God will do mighty things. That's the secret source. That's what I believe. But it's not about what I believe. It's about what you believe. The language of miracles faith, and faith isn't about what you say or what you do. It's about what you believe. So again, what do you believe about miracles? What do you believe about your situation? What do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about God? I believe that God has had enough of the devil running around in your life. I believe that your best is yet to come. I believe that you're called to be the head and not the tail in every situation you find yourself in in life. I believe the time has come for a miracle for you and your family. I believe that the time has come for a miracle for this region. I, I, I believe that God is cooking up a future for City Light that's just mind-blowing. I believe it. I believe that salvations are coming, that people are coming. 
I believe that the Lord of the harvest smiles when he looks at this church. I believe that in every fight, the devil loses and God wins. I believe that. I believe that your life will always get better under the hand of the Lord. But it's not about what I believe. It's about what you believe. What do you believe this morning? What do you believe? See, because we've all got faith in something. We think, well, I don't have faith. Of course you do. You've got faith in something. Everyone's got faith in something. The problem is that sometimes we have more faith on the one who takes things away from us than the one who gives things to us. We have more faith in the interest rate rising and impacting our finance than what Jesus can do. We have more faith that that family situation will never change. We have faith that that person's never going to turn their heart around and come back to God. We've got faith in all kinds of different things. I'm not asking if you have faith because you've got faith. The question is, what do you have faith in? If you want to change the direction of your faith, this is just a little like, this is like the fries. It's not the hamburger. It's not my sermon. But if you want to change the direction of faith, let me tell you, it's pretty easy. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing. So if I want to know what your faith is in, I just need to listen to whatever you're listening to. Whatever you put in your ears, that's your faith, right? So if you just spend all your time watching little YouTube videos about how the world is coming to an end and it's never going to be good, and then from there you flick onto the news channel, which is designed to prey on your emotions and your fears and your anger and get you riled up because that gets eyeballs. If that's what you're listening to, then hello, that's where your faith is at. But if you flip the script... You put on worship, you put on the Word of God, you podcast some sermons, you, you, you maybe listen to an audio Bible, I, I don't know. And even when you want to break it up, you watch a good clean comedy and have a belly laugh. If that's what you do, that positive thing that you're hearing will manifest itself in your life and the faith of God will shift things around. Because hello, can we just be real? We've all lived enough life to know that life throws up constant problems. Hello, constant challenges. So make a decision ahead of time that I'm going to have enough fuel in my faith tank that when a problem walks through the front door, bang, I push it back in Jesus' name. Which brings me to my next point. Number two, everyone say number two. Faith never declares the problem, it declares a solution. Faith never declares the problem, it declares a solution. Don't just agree with the problem. Agree with the solution. Sometimes we spend all our waking hours talking about the problem, thinking about the problem, talking to someone else about the problem, looking up a post on the problem. And then when we finally talk to God, hello, all we do is we say to God, about this problem, about this problem, about this problem, about this problem, about this problem. And, and, and while all that sounds great, the issue is then your focus is on the problem and not on the solution. And we need to declare the solution in faith, which means we need to actually want the solutions. Hello, sometimes we're more in love with the problem than when we are with the solution. Oh, I just need time to process it. Oh, I just got to think it through. Oh, you don't understand. It's been on my family for 57 generations, Phil. If you understood, you know, the thing with Jesus, he never did that. He didn't wake up and go, this is scary. Guys, let's have a holy huddle. Let's talk about how we all feel about the storm. I want to express my feelings. I'll hear you. You'll hear me. And we'll just process this problem together. And through processing and hearing and understanding, and we'll have a talking stick and stuff, it'll be great. And at the very end of it, we'll maybe pray. And then he didn't do that. In fact, he rebuked the disciples for wanting more time with it. Now, hear my heart, right? Oh, I'm not saying that, that, um, that we don't need to be heard and understood, but I'm just saying there has to come a time when you push back on this stuff. Now, oh, this would never happen in this church because you're wonderful. But in my church, sometimes people come into my office with problems. And I could solve their problem like that. They sit down. I make them a cup of coffee because I'm a good pastor because I hang out with your pastor. And he rubs off on me. I think I better be pastoral. So I won't go into solution mode. I'll just sit there and listen. Oh, Pastor Phil, let me tell you about my problem. 
And they waffle on about the problem. And then they waffle on about what the devil's doing about the problem. Then they waffle on about what they think God is doing about the problem. Then they waffle on about what their mum, their sister, their brother, their best friend's dog thinks about the problem. And then we get through all of that. And then they tell me, here's three Bible verses that talk about my problem. And, and you know, because, you know, the, it says that David was grieved. I'm grieved, Phil. I'm grieved. And then they go through the whole rest of it. And then it gets to the hour and they go, oh, that feels so much better. Thank you, Pastor Phil. They hug me and then they walk out with their problem. With their problem. Yeah, oh, I, I get it. Sometimes we need to be heard out. A listening ear is good. Counseling is good. But there are times when we need to stop ourselves and draw a line in the sand and say, I've had enough of this problem. I'm coming out of agreement with the problem. When the problem turned up, Jesus didn't say, I've got a cushion, grab a seat. He stood up, rebuked the problem. Some of you need to stand up and rebuke your problem. You don't need more time to process it. You need time to rebuke it. You don't need more time to assess your feelings. You need to push it back in Jesus' name. If you believe that, say amen. Speak the solution in faith. When you do speak about your problem, don't come into agreement with it. Come out of agreement with it and speak the solution of Jesus Christ over that problem. You know, when, um, when, when, when God breathed into man, what was in man went into God. And that means unlike animals who just make noise, when we speak, we create. Are you creating a bigger problem or are you creating a bigger solution? What are you declaring over your problem in Jesus' name? Faith speaks the solution. If you believe it, say amen. You know, everything, I mean everything, everything is designed to respond to the voice of God. Sickness, demons, nature, people, everything. So the easiest way to speak a solution is to grab a hold of what the Word of God says and declare it. Let me give you an example. 2 Timothy 1.7. It's a pretty famous verse. If you've been around church a while, you'll know it. If you're new to church, you probably won't. This is going to be a good introduction. This is what it says. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Which means if you feel afraid, it has not come from God. It's the Amazon parcel that rocked up on your doorstep and you thought, yes. And then you opened it and you were like, this does not belong to me. Boom. I don't want it anymore. Come out of agreement with that fear. Well, but you never know. No, 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 no. You're filled with faith now. Hello. You're a child of the most high God. Jesus sleeps in your boat. You don't have to own that fear. Return to sender. I don't want it anymore. But the, it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. You are full of the power of God. That's why you don't have to be afraid. You are full of the love of God. The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear, which means anything that is making you afraid has come to wrestle with the arm of God. And if you invite God into the situation, he will push back on it. And I understand. I know what it's like to be afraid. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I've moved states. I get it. But here's the thing. I want the mind of Christ. I do not want to be anxious. I do not want to be afraid. I've had enough of that. Jeremiah 30 verse 17. We'll go through this quickly because I don't have heaps of time. So just write it down. Look at it later. Jeremiah 30 17 says, For I will restore health to you. Not I might. Not I'm thinking about it. Not only on a Wednesday, not only on a church in good. No, 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 no. I will. Everyone say, I will. I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord. Some of you have got a mental health problem. Some of you have got a physical health problem. Some of you have got a spiritual health problem. It doesn't matter what kind of health problem you have. If you go to God, He will restore your health. He will pull back that emotional damage that has been done. You do not have to be run over by your past again and again and again. You can take authority over your past and walk in faith in your future. I will. I will. I will come out of agreement with those emotional wounds. Last verse. Philippians 4.19 says, 
And my God, everyone say my God. Not my problem. Not my problem. Some of you have owned your problem. I prayed for someone. He said, my cancer. I said, stop. It's not your cancer anymore. We come out of agreement with it in the name of Jesus. This no longer belongs to you. Your health belongs to you. Your freedom belongs to you. Your future belongs to you. Come out of agreement with the past. Come out of agreement with, well, my divorce, my breakdown, my... No, 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 no. Come out of agreement with it and start declaring God. And my God shall supply all, not some. Some of you have been happy with some. You've been happy with the silver medal. I'm here to tell you that God wants to give you everything that you're missing out on. Not some, all. And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, I've never been to heaven. I've never been there yet. But I'm pretty confident God's got more money than me. God's got more success than me. God's got everything I lack. And He wants to share it. You're not being greedy. He wants to share it. When I take my kids to Macca's, I want them fed. I don't say, well, you can have a packet of chips, but no more. I want them full. I've got the money. I can pay for it. Oh, I just don't want to be greedy, Dad. Order whatever you like. That's what he's saying. We're at the drive-thru. Order whatever you like. Order whatever you like. Declare the solution and not your problem. Declare the solution. The language of miracles is not filled with talk of problems. It's the other way around. Last point. Number three. Everyone say number three. Faith ushers in a better future now. Faith ushers in a better future now. We can often say, well, that's great, Phil. It's good stuff. I like it. I feel fired up. Thanks for yelling at me. It's awesome. (laughs) So uh, we add a one day before or after our declaration. One day, I think my family will be restored. That's good stuff, Phil. One day I might get healed. I'm believing for breakthrough in my workplace. One day. And it sounds good. Even sounds a little bit biblical, doesn't it? Like you're being humble, whatever. But what you've done is you've taken the engine out of the car. You've removed the oomph from your statement. You've removed faith from it now. One day, one day, faith says, I've got it now. I've got it now. The voice of faith always speaks in the present tense, not the future tense. If if we look at those verses, it says, My God shall supply. Faith ushers in a better future now. I will restore health to you. Faith ushers in a better future now. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Faith ushers in a better future now. It doesn't speak to some faraway future and some far off place that maybe one day could be possibly. Jesus didn't say, oh, the wind and waves would come at some point during the night. He spoke and immediately something happened. When people come forward for prayer, I go after it immediately. Now, 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 now. Whatever it is I'm praying for, now, 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 now. Even if it's like, oh, i got a job thing tomorrow. I just pray right now, Lord God, that you would go before them, even before they get into that interview room. God, I pray that you pave the way for favor as they go through, that before they've even sat down, let them already have the job in the name of Jesus. Faith ushers in a better future now. And anyone that's ever worked at a a cinema or at a sporting thing or a concert hall or even done some ushering in church, you know that when people get lost, you don't tell them to take their time and find a seat when they get around to it. You tell them that they need to follow you now. And so some of you are like, yeah, but I I responded to, I I prayed once before. You got to ask them again. Faith ushers in a better future. Now, I went to a concert. I'll get the band to come up. I went to a concert 
and I wasn't sure what entrance to get. And I got a little lost. <clears throat> Ashley came over to me. Excuse me, sir, can I help you? I said, yeah, I'm just trying to find my seat. No worries. Can we look at your ticket, please? Sure, I showed them my ticket. They didn't say, hey, look, you're just up there, but look, hey, take your time. Just feel free to wander around. Go backstage if you need to. High five the band. Feel free to sit up the front, grab any chair you like, and if you ever get around to it, you could just go back over there. No, you know what they said? Uh, Mr. Kennedy, is it? Yep. Excuse me, can you just follow me? I'll take you to your seat. Now. 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 Some of you, I've got some things that have wandered around your life who ignored you. You need to go back and say, faith is ushering in a better future now. Debt, faith is ushering the provision of God now. Health issue, faith is ushering a provision of God now. You know that guy, I tell that story about the guy where the cancer died in his body. He didn't feel any different. We just kept declaring it, declaring it, declaring it, declaring it, declaring it. And you know, even though he didn't feel different in the spirit, God did something. It killed his cancer before he even got into the room. Faith ushers in a better future now because whatever you confess in the spirit realm manifests in the natural realm. And that's why your words are so important. That's why we got to learn the language of miracles, which is faith. And Jesus spoke in faith. You got to do the same. It's not about having all the right words about miracles. It's faith isn't about what you say. Faith isn't about what you do. Faith is about what you believe. So this morning, I'm going to wrap up in a couple of minutes. What do you believe about miracles? What do you believe about your situation? What do you believe about yourself? Because sometimes we think, yeah, but I did the dumb thing. So therefore, I deserve to be here. And you know what? That's true. Except... Jesus got what he didn't deserve so that you could get what you don't deserve. So yeah, you deserve to live in that. But Jesus has said, I've already paid the price for that. So come forward and get your breakthrough. Come forward and get your healing. Come forward and get your restoration. Come forward and feel the power of God moving your situation. That's the scandal of grace. That's the incredible thing about Jesus Christ. What do you believe about God? Do you believe that he plays favorites? Oh, well, Phil... You know, I just grew up in church and I went away and I did some dumb stuff. I'm just happy to be in the room. I'm just happy. I don't want to be too greedy. I'm just happy to be in the room. That's a Pastor Andrew thing. Of course, when Pastor Beck prays, something happens, but not me. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says we're one in Christ, which means you're equal with everybody else in the room. He doesn't play favorites. He loves you. He wants you to get a miracle. He's interested in your breakthrough today. He doesn't care what you've done in the past. It's washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. The language of miracles is faith. And part of speaking that miracle language, like I said, is, is not just declaring the problem over and over and over on nauseam. Flip the script, start speaking the solution in faith. Because I, I get it. I've been there. I understand what it's like. We all get caught up in the problem and the issue and the whatever. I understand that, right? But this is the thing. Don't make room for the problem in your boat. It wasn't that the danger wasn't real. It was the disciples who were so focused on the storm, they forgot that the solution was already sleeping next to them in the boat. I have news for you, church. Jesus is in your boat and it might feel like he's sleeping right now, but the solution to every problem you ever face is Jesus Christ. He is in your home. He's in your car. He's at your workplace and he is moving right now. Even this morning, I can sense it in the spirit. So don't declare the problem. Wake Jesus up. Say, I need the solution. It's you, King Jesus. Declare the solution, the solution found in the Word of God. And I get it. I get it. I get it. Well, that's great. And I'm believing that one day that happens for me. But do you realize today could be your day? Declare it today. Today 
today, today, not when you get home, faith ushers in a better solution now, right now, right now, right now, right now. Closing my Bible, which is the universal symbol for a preacher that is actually kind of done. I'm going to pray for two groups of people today, and then I'm going to go and eat some chicken. First group of people are people that need Jesus. Because there's kind of like a little step here that I really skipped, but I'll just sort of explain it to you now. When they woke up Jesus, he knew who they were. They weren't like, hi, Jesus, I'm Phil. There's a bit of a storm going on right now. So if we could get the acquaintance bit over real quick. (laughs) He woke him up and straight away, Jesus was like, these are my disciples. You know, you need a relationship with Jesus. So that when you wake him, he's like, I know who you are. Yes, we'll fix that problem straight away. What is it? Cancer? I can fix that. What is it? A financial issue? I can fix that. Anxiety? Yeah, I'll fix that. I'll fix that. I'll fix that. But it starts with a relationship with Jesus. I'm not asking if you're religious. I'm not asking if you go to church. I'm not asking if you believe in God because even the devil believes in God. That's not impressive. I'm asking, are you a disciple? Are you in relationship with Jesus? This is what we're going to do. Everyone to close your eyes and bow your heads. I'm not sure how you normally do it here. But here's what I'll do. We'll pray for you. You stay there. I'll stay here. But just so I know who I'm praying for, if you're like, Phil, I need Jesus. Either for the first time or for the hundredth time. I need Jesus as Lord, which means he's in charge. The disciples did listen to him, even when they were out of line. You've got to listen to Jesus. And Savior, which means, like I was talking about before, he got what he didn't deserve so that you could get what you don't deserve. I'm not asking if you believe God. I'm just asking, is he Lord and Savior of your life? And if you're not sure, here's your moment. You stay there, I'll stay here. But just so I know who I'm praying for, if you're like, Phil, can you pray for me? I need that. Can I just get you to slip up your hand? And once you put it up, I see it, you can put it back down. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, I see that hand. Anybody else? Come on, don't go out and thank you. Anybody else? Don't go out 99% sure, go out 100% sure. Go out knowing that you know. Come on, anyone else? Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Thank you. I see that. Anybody else? Awesome. Here's what we're going to do. Going to replay a little repeat after me prayer. You know, when you go to a wedding thing and they're like, you do repeat after me with the thing. And at the end of it, they're like, I now pronounce you husband and wife. At the end of this prayer, just like when two people are standing together at the end of that little thing, they're married. You're going to be a Christian. And everything I preach today will be true for you and true for your life. But so you're not praying it on your own because you're part of this church family. And we want you to feel welcome. I'm going to get all the Christians to pray along with me. And hello, we're in a church. There's a lot of Christians. Are you ready? Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, please come into my life. As Lord and Saviour, help me to follow you all my days. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for joining us for this message. We hope that it has inspired you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about City Lights Church at city-lights.church.